Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast, where we focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow us for weekly content. All right, welcome back, everybody. Excited for this time of the month, dude. This is our crossover episode with Getting Past the Premium, Be Extraordinary. I'm here with Brett Young. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Good to see you, bro. I always look forward to our conversations, dude. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. It's a good time. Well, we were looking to do a little bit different uh, spin. You know, we've talked a lot in the past about culture, about leadership. You know, how do we lead our organizations into the future? But, you know, a lot of that starts with how do we get clients in the door, right? And so we thought we'd kind of focus the conversation today around you know, all things marketing, sales. I know it's something you guys have been focusing on a ton. I love your perspective on it. And what was the stat you were telling me earlier? It's your, the last four months you guys have, what was the numbers? We've done, we've, uh, we've done some good volume, which has been a good shift, which hopefully maybe we'll get a chance to talk to today because it's been a case study. We're still learning a lot, but the last four months we've done about 4 million in sales. So we've hit about a million a month in cadence every month, which is the the cool thing about this that I'm most proud of is that it's consistent. Yeah. You know, it's not in the sales game, we get the yo-yo effect, right? You get the one good month and then you get the, oh, you know, like everything that was in the pipeline came out and then you have that goose egg, you know? So it's been consistent, which means that it's it's process driven, which I'm proud of. Yeah. hundred percent. When you're right, that roller coaster is real. That's something I think everybody needs to think about. And what happens is you prospect a ton, right? Because you don't have anything in the pipeline. You get some stuff in the pipeline. You work all those deals, but you forget to prospect, close a few of those, and then you go down because you only have a pipeline. And you just keep doing that over and over. But to your point, good process around all of this and consistent process, I probably should say, is the key to continuing uh, consistent results, right? And ultimately, that's what we're looking for, right? We can track all the conversion and the hit ratios or whatever on your, your initial meetings. But at the end of the day, it's about results that come in the door. But- a lot of folks, I think in our industry, you know, we talk about sales a lot and and selling different products and whatever, but ultimately there's a step before that, right? And what I would argue what we were talking about before we got started too is, you know, sales is a component of marketing at the end of the day, right? So you got to get out and have people know who you are, what you do, be interested in who you are and what you do before you're ever going to get to selling anything, right? <laughs> that is it, man. Uh- the best way to articulate, you just said that was fantastic. The, the, my brother said something this week that really resonated with me was if you learn service through a sales lens, right? When, you, when you're in the service seat, you're going to have a different perspective because you're trying to learn the sales arm. If you're in the sales seat, you should learn sales through a marketing lens, which you know now you know how to market, right? Yeah. And so I think there's a scale of, my opinion, I think marketing is one of the hardest things. It's from a value-driven perspective, getting people's attention to potentially want to look at doing business with you is a high, high-level skill set. Most people have a hard time doing it. I'd argue that most people have a hard time being a really good marketer relative to being a quality sales professional. So, you know, I think there's a, a continuum there, but understanding that you only get the opportunity for sales once you've been you know, at least competent through the marketing lens. So yeah. understanding that that that's a that's an extension of that is important because I think a lot of times we just think, well, I'm a sales 
salesperson. It's like, well, are you just a salesperson or is sales at the end of the process, right? Like yep. what happened from the talk to somebody, get their attention, compel them to want to talk about more, you know, before you start the sales process. And I think a lot of times that's taken for granted. And, and I think it should be where we spend a lot more time because it's so important. I totally agree. I mean, a simple example to illustrate this, right, is like we, a lot of young producers in our industry are taught to cold call, right? Just pick pick up the phone book. You know, I know that's what it used to be, but get a bunch of names and start calling, right? Which isn't yeah. a bad thing, no, right? I mean, that's a mean? great way to get opportunities. But the difference is if I call you up and I say, hey, Brett, Elliot Bassett, Ella Brock Norris, you know, we do things a little bit differently. want to tell you uh, or want to get an opportunity at your business. And you've never heard of me. You're probably going to yeah. be like, no, I'm good, man. You know, but if I pick up that same phone call, say the same thing, and, and four people have told that person about me or they've seen exactly what we do, what we focus on, he knows I'm an expert in his industry, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a lot more likely for him to be like, you know what? I will, I'll listen to what you guys are doing. I've heard a lot about you. You do some good stuff. I'll at least give you an opportunity to, to walk in and, yeah. and have the conversation. Yeah. And that's what marketing does, right? Totally. Marketing gets you down that path a lot further. When you go out and you make those calls, you get that referral, et cetera. Yep. A mentor, before I got into the insurance business, would said some cool stuff that I really resonated from. My, both my partners do too, is, is, and it's, we've lived by it to this day. You know, there's pull through marketing and there's push through marketing. And he always said, push through marketing is I've got to call you and compel you to take action on something that you have no idea about. It requires me to push it into the marketplace. You didn't even know you needed it. Yeah. You don't really want it right now. But because I'm continuously pushing it into the market, I'm going to create the need and potentially I'm going to find some customers that way. Well, that happens all the time. I mean, it, it's, that's the cold call you're talking about. And it works. The pull-through marketing is on the complete other end of the scale, which is, you know, Michael Jordan holds up a can of Coke and <laughs> everyone goes and they go buy Coke, right? Yeah. There's, there's no push-through. I'm pulling you into distribution, right? And so... I, those are like the two polar extremes of the spectrum. But what you're saying is, is there's a middle, there's a middle road, right? Like I'm still maybe doing an outbound dial or an outbound reach, but because you know me in the network or because somebody knows of the people that I know, there's a higher level trust, which means there's a little bit of pull through. So there's this scale. And, and, and if you're going to do, you know, outbound push through marketing, which at the end of the day, I think majority of us as insurance professionals, at least that's where we're going to start. You know, yeah. the where are the pools or pockets where there's some trust built that at least you're going to get? It's not all the way on the other end of the scale as far as nobody knows who you are. You know, how do we get closer to holding up the can of Coke and people are calling us? You know, and and I think a lot of that has to do with your network and connections and relationships and edification and who you're connected to and authority within a community and trade associations that you belong to? Do you sit on the board of somewhere, your church? You know, there's a lot of stuff like that, but I think it has just to do with trust, right? If Michael Jordan opened, holds up a can of Coke, there's a high level of trust. He's a very recognized figure, right? If, you know, Brett Young calls you and you've never heard of me before and I'm trying to take a shot at your insurance, they're like, I don't trust this guy worth <laughs> Adam, you know? Yeah. So I agree with you. I, I, I That one always stuck with me, just like there's the spectrum. And even if I'm going to play whichever side I'm going to play in, you know, it's like, where's your leverage, you know? And that, that's a, that's a, that's more of like a, you know, almost bridging the gap. If I'm going to call you cold, if I can make the connection to somebody that you may know, 
immediately I get credibility, which puts me closer to holding up the can of Coke. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I don't know about you guys, but I certainly don't have the budget to hire MJ to do a yeah. commercial for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, with AI, you know, maybe we could hey. just like, you know, make MJ, you know? There you go. So, there you yeah. go. Uh, I'm guessing he might get a phone call from somebody at that point. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. It might be a bigger but, problem. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm curious your your thoughts on this perspective when, as it relates to marketing. I think one of the things that, that people you know, run into or don't approach the right way is their messaging in the marketplace and who they're targeting. Because at the mm. end of the day in our industry, right, everybody has to buy insurance. And that allows, that's, that's a, gives us a big market of potential clients. But what I think it also does is it dilutes or could dilute our messaging if we're not targeted in who we're going after, right? Because if you're doing marketing right, you need it to resonate with the person that that you're going after and yeah. the more diluted the more not specific that that message is the less it's going to resonate and i think that's what a lot of people run into is they'll try marketing they'll try branding and all the things and it just it doesn't get the impact they want but i think it's too broad it's too diluted right that's such a hard thing man because i think all of us have you know listened to a podcast or listened to things like hey niche down yeah niche down niche down niche down and it's like it makes so much sense but like in the beginning, you know, like, I mean, not even in the beginning, but like in the beginning, you're starving. So you're yeah, going to take anything. Right. And then once you've taken everything and anything, now you're getting referrals that are anything and everything. Yeah. So now you're getting now you're finally to the point where someone's referring you business. But yeah. because you took anything and everything, now you're getting anything and everything. So the idea of like, well, when is it time to niche down? And it's like. I haven't solved this in my head, honestly. We're I'm telling that this is something we have worked really hard over the last year. But here's where we've landed: that you can take anything and everything. That's fine if you want to do that. No, right? No one's going to tell you to 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 not take a, a good account because it's not in your niche. But the marketing effort, whatever the marketing activity is, what is that? It, and then spend your time niching that. You might write anything and everything, but when you sit down to do your marketing efforts, like get really targeted on that. And then slowly over time, if you do it right, now you start to create, you know, this, this flow of traffic that's more niche based than it is anything and everything based. And slowly over time, you know, hopefully if you become competent in it, the majority of what you write is in your niche. And then you start saying no to the anything and everything, or you start referring that to another agent who's maybe newer. That's anything and everything. So we're still working through that, man. That's been a huge shift for us in the last year on our commercial side. But I mean, it's always, that is so much harder to do in execution than it is in, you know, just thought because at the end of the day, some of these accounts are decent accounts and it's not within your niche, but there's a, there's baggage that comes from writing an account that you don't know how to do. You know, yep. it's like you spend so much time on stuff that you never knew were, was going to be a problem. And it's like, there's an opportunity cost with everything, right? If I take the time to write this and I don't know how to write it, and I could make a thousand more dials in a niche that I know how to write really well, at some point, if we span this out over a long period of time, there's going to become an equilibrium when it makes more sense me just make the thousand calls, right? Yeah. And it's like this invisible erosion of productivity that it's a real thing. It's just... I feel like it's tough if you don't start from the beginning doing it the right way. I feel like it's even harder to change it, you know? 
Yeah, 100%. I I agree with you. I want to be cognizant. Everybody, it seems like everybody out there right now is talking about niche focus and it, making it sound so easy. And it is not it's easy. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Most of the people that I've seen that have a really good niche uh, actually are niche focused. It did. They didn't manufacture it. It kind of just happened. You know, they they wrote a few restaurants, started getting referrals to restaurants, yeah. and it naturally was born. Uh, but I think you can. You know, you don't have to design your niche day one. I think understanding that you want to get more targeted in your approach is the first step. Yeah. You know, identify the things that you don't want to do. Like I, I really don't know how to write truckers, or I don't know how to do this. I don't have the markets for that. And then just know that you're going to refer that that stuff out. You're just you're not going to get focus at all on that. We've taken the approach of not not necessarily getting super niched down by industry and such. We we have a target market parameter that is more about who is the the prospect, you know, business owner, privately held, community based, you know, those types of things. You know, do they want advice? Do they want to work with an advisor? You know, before we ever get to size and industry and that type of stuff. That's cool. That's really cool. I, I love the we've approached that. I, I just like what you said as far as you know what do you, what, what will you not do? I mean, sometimes yeah. it's hard to say what do you do, but maybe it's better to just start with like, okay, what what are you not going to do? Correct. That's what I think. I mean, don't overcomplicate it. You know, just know yeah. know what you know you're not good at, and and just say no to that stuff. Go do what you are. That can still be a broad swath of stuff to start. But yeah. I always think about it as. You know, let's say you have a bus, right? You're the bus driver. You've got 100 seats in your bus. How are you filling up your bus, right? Because you only get 100. Mm. And so, you know, at some point, you can't, as a risk advisor or producer or whatever, you can't manage over a certain number of relationships. And that's going to be different for each person. But I think 100 is pretty, pretty solid. And so let's say that, but pick your number. It doesn't matter. You know, you've only got a certain number of that on the bus. So once you fill that up, you're going to have to kick somebody off and you may not proactively kick them off, but you're going to kick them off by not talking to them, by not servicing their account, by, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so think about it from that perspective when you're designing your business, your book of business. That's so good. Yeah. yeah to take the seats that you've got and say, who do I want on that bus? And how are we going to scale to a hundred as fast as possible? And there's so many yeah. different analogies you can use, but. I mean, that's just, I mean, you talk about that's capacity. Yep. That's, that's capacity. Right. And, and, I think that's uh, it's challenging sometimes to see the whole capacity game when you're not at capacity because you're <laughs> like, man, I'll figure that out when I get there. Hundred percent. But I mean, I if if I can be vulnerable for a second, I mean, we we've run into some significant capacity issues from just writing stuff that we probably shouldn't have written. However, there are levels to this game, and sometimes you've got to get to level two and three before you get to level four, and sometimes yep. that requires getting your nose bloody a little bit. So we've actually done some dispositions within the agency where we just said, okay, we've got this block of business that is not ideal to our process, our internal process, and we actually sold that block of business off, yep. um, and you know, it's painful. It's like, man, you got this is, I mean, you got to increasing rates uh you've got good retention but our team is overrun like our personnel is overrun and it's like human capital in in our team is the most important thing on our ecosystem as far as like in you know levels of importance and so like to put our money where our mouth is like we had to solve the problem and like we just weren't good enough yet to be able to say okay well let's do x y and z and be able to retain it it was like no 
we're not going to be able to build Noah's Ark in a month to be able to keep these clients. Like we have to, in order to to take care of, you know, our preferred clients that we want, we had to be willing to let go of the clients that we, you know, necessarily weren't the ideal clients for us. But that's hard, man. That's that's not fun to be able to have to do that. And it fixed the the issue. Um, but you're just watching revenue leave, you yeah. know. So, but the idea is that well, we're putting new revenue on the books, and there's a capacity right, right. for that. So yep. it's like, it, so yeah, it, it's I resonate with that big time, man, because we we probably did that disposition about six months ago. And you know, when you're dream, when you're putting it on the board of all the all the potential solutions, that's not the one that's the ideal solution, but it was for us, it was the only way to fix the problem, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, and it's so, it's interesting when you hear folks or, or leaders of firms that have been through it and are now on the opposite side of it, you know, have a book uh, or see their teams that have grown and have the capacity issues, you know, that's when you, they understand this, this conversation, but to your point, mm-hmm. like when you're, when you're young and you don't have a full book yet and you're trying to hit numbers and all this stuff, like you can't see the forest through the trees, right? Sure. And, and it's easy to be like, oh, that, that'll be easy to do when I get there. But, right. and, and there's truth to that, right? I mean, you got to do what you got to do to, to you know, put put revenue on and, and money in your pocket. But I think just always looking a, a step ahead, right? Because you mentioned there's levels to this game, right? And there is. And so look at the next level and say, you know, okay, how do I most quickly get there? Don't just keep doing what you're doing and say, oh, well, when I get there, I'll worry about it. Be yeah. thinking about what's next so that you can you can take that next step once you've, you know, achieved level one, level two, whatever. Yeah. Because I hear from so many different people out there that are in this boat and they're like, man, if I could just go back five years and and I would have just thought about this a little bit differently and I would have done this and that from a book. I wouldn't have written that guy. You know, it it's everywhere. And so, yeah. you know, it's hard to see in the moment, but it will pay off dividends uh, yeah. down the road. And I also think if you're an agency leader out there, it's probably more important that you understand this concept because you're the one that's going to have to work with your team, your producers on understanding this and probably have some leeway and some grace that it might take a little bit more time for them to get there and bring on the right clients because not all revenue is equal to you, Right. right. And so you don't want them writing a bunch of crap that doesn't fit your company. You want them yep. focused, but they yep. that might take a little bit longer, you know, but ultimately again, yep. it'll pay off in the long run. Yeah. Like our service team was just getting crushed. You know, yeah. it was like every file they picked up, they had to learn something brand new, you know, and it was like the spectrum of coverages and niches and markets and process. And it was just too broad. It was too much. And, uh, and if it's going to be broad, it just needs to be more revenue tied to it. Right. So I think there's just, there's an opportunity cost of like, are you filling your time with agent type activities or are you filling a large majority of your time in marketing activities? And I think if you're overwhelmingly busy, unless you're, man, I just honestly, man, it might not even be about where you are in the game. This might be a, just a, a truth that I believe across all spectrum, whether you have a million dollar book or you've got a $20 million book, how much of your block of activity is spent on finding ideal clients. If the majority of your time is eaten up by agent activities that are non-marketing functions, then you're probably not targeting your ideal client enough. You're probably taking 
stuff that you shouldn't take. You know, like, okay, I'm going to spend 30% of my time on marketing. And maybe in the beginning, you spend 80% of your time on marketing. Yep. Whatever that block is, you know, it's, you know, it's got to be spent there because I feel like we get, I know this happened to me, but when I was in production was, I started getting all these referrals and I was excited because I was always working on deals. And it's exciting because you're like, man, this is fun. Like I'm getting to do the craft of being a, a risk advisor, of being a good agent. And the problem with that is there should always be a better client out there that you're trying to replace your book with. Mm -hmm. That might not be popular, but the reality is this, you're trying to escalate your, your, your game, right? So even your best client in your best book right now, there is more likely a more ideal client out there. And you should be always looking to rinse and repeat, just like everything in life, just like uh, anything that you're looking to get better. Like if you, if you have a, if you have a world-class basketball team, you're always looking for the next recruit that could be the best player on your team, right? So if you're not spending the time trying to replace the book and you're just taking whatever's coming at you, you feel good about yourself because you feel busy. You're like, I'm finally going to do what I love to do, but it's a false sense of hope because you're going to run into this plateau. You're yeah. going to plateau this capacity and you're going to plateau at this capacity on multiple levels, service costs, time spent, you know, uh, just the leverage that you have at renewal time, the leverage you have throughout the, the season. Do you have a, you know, do you have the risk management strategy to be able to really retain that client against competitors? There's just so many factors that I just think that if you're not spending enough time on the marketing side at whatever level of game, it's kind of like this, this false hope, if you will, that you've made it. And I think it's, we've dealt with it in here, you know, like kind of the mantra within our walls is you're a marketer first. You have to be a marketer first. And because we all get busy with agent work. It's just so easy. The email never stops. The tasks never stop, right? Like the phone calls happen and they're always, you know, it's just, it's a lot of busy work and it takes way more genius to carve out the time that's white space to go on offense than it does to play defense. All of us can be busy all day, but how many of us have the ability to, to allocate the appropriate time to, to truly go you know, to truly go on offense. And I, I think that's, that's a continuous challenge for even our top guys in here uh, and gals to be able to have that space to, to continue to rinse and repeat or rinse, replace and repeat, you know, and I empathize with it because it's tough, you know? Yeah. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah, too. I love that marketing first, you know, and because I think that does get lost. And what's what's kind of interesting to me too with our our industry is it's like as you build your book and you're you're building your craft and you're getting better at that, you know, whether it's getting better at the marketing, getting better at working the the language with your clients and all of those things. It's like once your book hits a certain point and you start to that hit that plateau, right? 
that's when you're probably the best at doing that craft and you're now mm. probably doing it the least. That's what I, I was going to say is if you wait till you hit the plateau, the capacity of your time is so marginalized, yeah. right? You don't have, you don't have the white space now. So that's why we had to do the disposition. Cause it's like, we, we can't breathe. We're up to our neck and we're just scrambling to maintain. It's not like you can hit the plateau and then go, okay, cool. Now we're going to allocate the time to do the marketing and go yeah. find our ideal client. You don't have any space. You, you've filled up the bucket. There's no more room. And it's like, there's the danger. You leave yourself no out. The only out is to hit the eject button. You know, yeah. it's like, at least if you write, you know, at least fill the bucket up 50% with the stuff you don't necessarily need, want, and then go, okay, no more. It's like, yeah. cut off the capacity early. Just don't wait. Don't do what we did, which is wait until it's just spilling over the seams to where you just don't have any other choice, but to just, you know, eject it. Totally. Well, I mean, the, the second you're saying yes to something that, you know, isn't going to be one of your ideal clients, let's say, is, you know, you're saying no to somebody that is, uh, yeah. because it's going to take time, it's going to take energy, and you're probably saying no to more than one of them, because those that are mm. not your ideal clients just take more time, energy, everything that we've been talking about. And yeah. so it's going to be more difficult at some point to continue to grow. But I, I'm curious, you, you probably talked about a little bit of this, but you've been through this from being a you know, starting your own shop to where you guys are at today, probably have experienced several of those levels, right? Yeah. Think back to, I mean, and maybe it was just this recently one when you're talking about when you, you had to get rid of a portion of the book. Yeah. Uh, but talk about like, like if you could go back and do it again, what would you avoid or do differently as it relates to, you know, what we're talking about here? So I would right off the gate, I would not write a certain, well, it depends on where you are. So I get in Florida, there may be some South Florida peeps that are listening to this and say, Brett, you don't understand. That's all there is down here. The, the excess and surplus markets. So I, I get it. I understand that's a different beast, but for places where there are admitted markets writing good business, if I was to do it all over again, I think my partners would agree with this. We would not write excess and surplus business unless it was in a targeted class that we wanted to go after and, or it had a certain amount of revenue attached to it. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning, you know, what happened, we're a personal lines driven agency. So what would happen is we would have personal lines clients and then they would ask for us to do commercial. And I think a lot of agents start like this. I think a lot of agents that are personal lines driven agents, and then they say, Hey, can you write this for me? And it's a business owner. They write their home, their auto. And for us, we were thinking, man, that's our ideal client because they have multiple lines of business with us and they have a business like this is our ideal client. So in the beginning, we said, well, that's actually what we want, you know, mm -hmm. because then we can get all of it. And what we found out is that, again, this I'm just sharing my opinion. I don't want to disrupt, you know, in the, in the comments, somebody might disagree. That's totally cool. <laughs> I'm just sharing my perspective. So if you disagree, I get it. Totally understand. That's why they paint walls different colors. <laughs> but from my but from my perspective, personal lines and commercial lines are just completely different animals at scale. If you have one person and you're writing personal lines and commercial lines and you're servicing the business and you have this you have this book of business and you're the end all be all, fine. Go ahead. Write whatever you want. Do life, health, personal lines, commercial all day long. Knock yourself out. It's not scalable, it's not duplicatable, and that's not a business. That's a book of business. What I'm talking about is if you want something to multiply your effort, you want something to move away from you. What happened is we started creating these relationships that had the personal lines and then the small business. 
But then the renewal process is different. The way that they're serviced is different. The way the management system is set up is different. Uh, the technology we have is different. They were just like complete separate businesses. And we were trying to integrate them together because it was one relationship. Yep. Well, we haven't figured out how to do that from a seamless standpoint on small business. It just didn't, it just didn't work well for us. So we found out real quick that even if someone had all their personal lines with us and had a very small business, what ended up happening is we were doing great on the personal lines, but we just weren't able to really do a great job on the commercial lines. The volume at which those renewals were happening, we were doing so many small ENS renewals a month that it was like to staff it just didn't even make sense at the point because it was all manual. So if we were to do it all over again for us, it wouldn't matter how many lines of business you have on personal lines. There has to be a certain amount of revenue attached with anything that's a manual renewal on commercial. And then now, and with there's agency fees and now and such to where maybe you can get around that if you're close and there's some different ways that you could do that. I mean, you can, I know instead of, you know, doing it on a commission basis, you can do a, a fee basis and I don't play in that game. I'm sure there's smarter people that do that than, than me, but the bottom line is from an ideology perspective, if you're going to touch this file multiple times through the year and it's going to be manual process, there's just got to be a certain amount of dollar allocated to it. Yeah. You're not going to automate the, the the, you're not going to automate it like you do personal lines. And so you can't treat them as such, no matter how good of a personal lines client. And that was the big book that, and that was the book that we really had to let go of was we took all of our excess and surplus business, uh, that was under, that was under 25,000 in premium. And we, we sold it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think about this too, even, I mean, we've experienced this, uh, over the years where, you know, agents will take anything they can get their hands on. You know, they're a PNC agent that's writing life and health, or they're a life and health agent that's writing annuities, but doesn't really have the the training in annuities. And, and we were what, what we found over time, dude, is like that's happened so long because we're a, our firm has been around a long time. We'll have clients call up and say, "Hey, my twenty year term policy with whomever is coming up for renewal." Nobody's called and like, what are we going to do? And we're like, I don't know. Like, we don't even know where that's at, you know, because yeah. it was 20 years ago and there, you know, there's not a renewal cycle and there's not, it's just the whole thing. Cause we just weren't, we were a PNC shop, you know? Right. And it, it, I cringe. We actually had, uh, we fought this so much. We would have, and you're probably familiar with this, a couple carriers that in order to, or, or in their annual goals, they want you to sell a certain number of life policies and a certain number of this. Oh my gosh, we'd get in battles with our rep because we're like, look, dude, if we're going to sell life insurance, it's going to be with whoever we feel like is the best carrier and your product may or may not be the best fit. But at the end of the day, we're a PNC shop. Like it's that's hard. what we do. And we're not just going to go sell life to go sell life. Like it gets yep. us in trouble. We, you know, we may not be able to do the best thing for the client. Um, and, and then you don't have model set up. So I can't tell you how many times the model setup is the biggest oh, thing, man. It's just like, you don't know so what you don't time. know if you're like, cause this is what everybody, I, dude, I, I so I'm laughing about the life insurance. It happens all the time with us, oh, by yeah. the way. Oh, um, yeah. but like you, you don't, you think it's, you're like, oh, well, and I, I, I work with some agents who are, they're relatively newer agents. They're smaller agents, but they just started their agency. And their ideology or their their North Star is that, well, if I just if I have all these relationships, the easier way to grow is by adding more products categories. Uh -huh. Because then I don't have to market. 
I don't yeah. have to do marketing more because I don't like to market. And the easier route is, well, I'll just keep adding verticals because that's a better way to grow. And it's like, that is the, that is the, that is the absolute kiss of death. And here's why, because scaling the, the enemy to scale, I think Carmozzi said this, it's, it's one of the most profound quotes that I, I listened to this last week. It hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm experiencing now. I could have heard it before and I was like, oh, that sounds good. But when you're in it and you hear something, you're like, oh God. So that's why I feel like I've been punched in the face 15 <laughs> times this week. So the enemy of scale is complexity, right? So keeping things simple is how you scale. And then he said, but even the simple becomes complex when you scale. So his message was like, you can take something in the most simple form, add multiple locations, multiple people, personalities, and different dynamics, and all of a sudden it becomes complex, yeah. right? God forbid you take something complex and then try to scale it. You have no chance. So when you're trying to add all these verticals before you're really big, you, you, you might as well... You might as well, it's a kiss of death. You may move revenue in the beginning and think that you're outsmarting the process, but you, the amount of backend work that you're creating yourself to go back and try to fix something, I, I just don't know anybody that's ever done it and been successful. Like yeah. you don't optimize first. You, you get volume in a category, then you optimize. Way too many people want to optimize. Like this everything we talked about today, it's like the, doing too much agent work instead of the marketing is, is you're trying to optimize. It's like agency owners will talk to they they want to they, they'll talk to me about their profitability. I'm like, stop talking about your profitability to me. You haven't moved the needle from a top line perspective far enough yet. Like you you you're gonna profitability yourself out of business. Like no <laughs> one's gonna want to come work for your company. Like you yeah the having a growth model that continually gets predictable results is is far more important than how good your margins are. The PE firms buy companies all the time and they don't care what the margin is because in 30 days you can fix somebody's margin. It yeah. takes no skill to fix somebody's profitability in a business. It's very simple. You can do it from an ivory tower across the country. What you can't do is create a, a growth machine in a local market. That's why we get paid so much for acquisitions. That's why people want to buy agencies because it's very, very difficult to do that. So it's like, don't want what you don't want. All of this comes from, we want to, we want to optimize this process way too early. Like volume in a vertical is so much more, is disproportionately more important than how many products you can offer a client. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that there's, there's stages to that growth, right? To your point where, you know, before you're going to optimize and in this context, we're saying build other verticals and add in different things that you can sell to your clients. You do have to, you have to get extremely good. You have to get expert level at that one thing you're doing for clients, right? Because if, yep. if you don't have that machine running, you know, you're not going to be able to go out and build the next thing. And, and to your point, I think, because again, we have the ability, everybody has to buy these products. It's super, and you know, auto owners has made it so easy to one click sell a hundred thousand dollar life policy or whatever. And they ask you sometimes the client is so easy. They're like, well, the clients are asking for it. Yeah. It takes it's the discipline of saying no, even when it just shows up on your doorstep. Like that that's hard to do. You know, it's well, like, well, yeah, but they're asking me for it. I'm I have to go out and I gotta go find the market. I have to go out and I gotta carve this out of my management. I mean, I have to. People are asking me about it. It's like 
No, 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 no. There is an opportunity cost of going down that route versus just picking up the phone and dialing and getting more of what you're really good at. No, and not only is it better business sense, dude, I, I can go on a tangent about this, but at the end of the day, you're, you can either look at your role as a salesperson to go out and sell as many products as you can and make as much money as possible, or you can look at our role as advisors and fiduciaries for our clients. There you and go. If you're doing that and a client says, hey, can you sell me some life insurance? And if at the end of the day, you're going, geez, the last time I sold life insurance was like six months ago. I don't even remember. Okay, what do I need to calculate in there? I'll, I'll Google, you know, life insurance. Like, you're not doing the best thing for the client. There are people out there that specialize in doing just that. Build a relationship yeah. and send your client to them because that's who's going to do the best job for them. Now, it doesn't mean that forever you won't do that or you won't build a team that could do that or whatever. But just for today, do what you're good at and bring the the people around your client because that's what's you know that's what's best for your client. And I'll argue it till the day I die that not only is it better for the client, but you may you may not make the short term sale, but trust me, long term you're going to scale faster, you're going to grow bigger, and you're going to do the right things. And yeah, I, I want to encourage everybody too, though that again, this is this is levels, right? If you get good at that one thing, then what I think is important for everybody to realize, though, is you got to have somebody that's going to then own that. Yeah. So you've got to bring in the person that you say, okay, we were, you know, personal lines or whatever, and we're doing a great job there. Well, I need, I'm going to bring in Brett. He's going to be the me that I was for that. Now I'm going to say, what's the next thing I need to go build? And there then you you're going to learn it, build it, or, or bring somebody in that can, you know, or whatever. But you have to have, that's the only way that you can optimize that further. And what totally. I see too many people doing is, they don't find that person that's going to own it. And so something has to give, right? They're trying to do too much. They're trying to be be everything across multiple different business lines. Yep. And you know, ultimately, either the, the business that you built everything on is going to suffer because you're not there yep. and nobody knows how to lead it. Or the business you're trying to build, the vertical you're trying to build next to it, isn't going to scale because you don't have somebody in place that's focused on it. Totally. That's how you I can got scale it. multiple verticals. And I mean, I... 100% agree. And, and candidly, like, I, I, I don't want to come off the wrong way. I, I'm passionate this because of we've done it the wrong way. Like, they already made this mistake so we many times. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. we're having conversations early in the business where we're like, let's buy a payroll provider so we can add yeah. payroll to it. I mean, it's like, well, yeah, it's easy. We have all these clients. It's simple. It's like, no, it's not. It's such an amateur. Uh, we've all been. No disrespect. I've... It's just such a, it's such an unseasoned way of thinking until you get to the point where you have scale and it makes sense to carve it out. It's a, its own department. You have somebody, I 100% agree with you. If it's almost like a litmus test, it's like, are you ready to add this vertical? Well, are you ready to hire two to three people to be able to own it? If the yep. answer is yes, then you're ready. If the yep. answer is no, I'm going to have Jerry split his time between this and that. Then the answer is no, you're not ready. Like Bingo. you're just, you're not there. Like, it's, oh. just, it's too much of a it's too much of a drag on plus the other thing is like what we focus on expands and so yes. you're basically saying like um you're 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 spraying your focus in all these other places your team has no idea what you do now because they're they're confused they're like what is it that we do like i don't know like every every month we're coming up with some new thing that we're trying to offer it's like there's no you yeah. know, leadership is consistent. And if it's consistent, people will fall in line. But if you consistently change things all the time and you're you're doing all these different things to try to capture more revenue, it's like, ah, I'm not really going to buy into this because, you know, 
six months ago, we were life insurance experts. <laughs> and, you know, nine months ago, we were payroll providers. And, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know and I've been there, man, been there, done that. And it, then you got to work to gain that trust back. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And, you know, it's so, maybe it's just one of those things you got to experience to to truly appreciate because I think, you know, you hear people that have been through it, say it, and it's like, ah, you know, but I, I, this will be easy. I've got it down, you know, and, but it's true. I mean, we've been in the same spot where, you know, we started multiple different divisions for that reason at one time. And man, it's been, it's been tough, you know, to, to get it all aligned. I'm, I'm confident in where we're at now, but you learn these lessons as you go. And there's, there's some folks that I look back that are, you know, earlier in their career, let's say that I think do have it figured out. They, they, they take a lot of the advice that's out there and actually apply it, which is not what I do half the time, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I, I get jealous. I'm like, man, if you know, you could just go back and you could just yeah. restart, but at the end of the day, I, you wouldn't be in the same position you're in. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be where you're at. So I think it's that entrepreneurial itch that all of us have. And sometimes it's, sometimes what we do is, is mundane. Right. Like yeah. the same mentor that talked about the pull through and push through marketing, he said, mastering the mundane, like yeah. master the mundane, you know, the best in the world, master the mundane. It's just not sexy. Most of the time yeah. it gets boring. A lot of the time you're doing every it's repetitive over and over you're and okay over. In the but that's, a, that's how everything is. Like if you like everything that was worthy, uh, everything that was worthy of working good at uh, getting good at was worthy of doing it until you were bored. And so it's just so much more sexy to go, man, we could do this and we could create this. Cause we're all, if you, a lot of us have that creator gene in us where we want to create something and why you started a business, nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's why you started a business, right? It's just even building a book of business. You take it something from nothing. And I think it takes way more discipline and genius to say no to that stuff than it does to scratch the itch because I, I mean, I'm guilty of it. You know, yeah. I have to continually be like, no, 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 no. Like, dude, it's like this alter ego, it's <laughs> yeah. like what I know I should do and what I really want to do. And it's oh, yeah. like, they are at polar opposites all the time. And I'm yeah. lucky because I got two great partners and I have to justify it to, in order to go down that path. And usually I can't justify it, but I could see how if you didn't necessarily have that sounding board, it would be easy to just do this and then do this and then do this. And then all of a sudden you wake up nine months later and you're like, wait a second how the hell did we get here? Like, yeah. we got, we're so far away from, you know, where we were and what we were doing that was working well. And then you got to unwind it. Oh, it's so true. So true. Well, man, I think we could, we could keep going forever. I think surrounding yourself with good people is a whole nother topic that maybe we'll dive into next time. But, uh, it's like you brother and your meditations in the morning, I'm digging the, uh, it, those are listening. Elliot and I are reading meditations together <laughs> and I get, I get his stories on, uh, Instagram and I'm, I'm very close in the same pages of the book, which yeah. is awesome. So I, oh, yeah. I'm really liking to see what you highlight, you know, because yeah. I, I have a highlighter too. But um, dude, it's so like good. You, man. It's I it's almost everything. It's almost too hard to focus on every little thing because, like, your mind is like thinking about the last thing you just read because it was so good, and then you're like three yeah. paragraphs down, you're like, oh shit, okay, yeah. go back. It's so good. I only so, do like two, three pages at a time because I'm, yeah. um, it's, it takes so much thought to dive into what he's talking about. But I mean, you're, you're just a perfect example, man. You know, iron sharpens iron and I learn from you all the time. And, you know, I just enjoy our conversations on camera, off camera. So getting around good people is just, it's, it's undervalued. 
right. there is just no there's just no price tag that you can put around being around people who care about growth and want to be better so i just appreciate you man yep likewise brother and uh we will do this again next month hope everybody enjoyed sounds good see you buddy thank you for tuning in to getting past the premium we are excited to continue breaking down barriers and finding solutions together if you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode find links and contact info in the description until next time Have a great day. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, Terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.